turn to uh, Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. And David is going to read Mark 1, 21 through through 28. Um, Matt Sanger, Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. Uh, Alan, Luke 24, 32. And uh, Brian, Mark 1, 27. Okay. Have you ever uh, ordered a meal, maybe that's fast food or in a restaurant, and they leave something out? They had a bad run when, with a restaurant. I would drive there to get it and then would get home to discover they had left off the sauce or, or something like that. Or in a meal, they leave off something to the end. In the, uh, the scripture that we're going to read, is it, it is Jesus preaching a sermon. And in it, we see the elements of a complete sermon. There can be some things that are good, but if you leave them out, any one element is going to affect the whole. So we're going to look at a complete sermon, Mark 1, 21 through 28. Go ahead. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now there was a man in, in their synagogue with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, saying, Let us alone. What, what have we to do with you, Jesus, uh, Jesus of Nazareth? Nazareth, did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the unclean spirit had convulsed him and cried out with a loud voice, he came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, "What is this? What is this new? Uh, what new doctrine is this? For with what? Uh, for with authority he commands even the even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And immediately his fame spread throughout all the region around Galilee." Okay, a complete sermon. We're going to look. There's uh, four elements that I want you to see in this uh, in this scripture that make a a complete sermon. The first element of a complete sermon has to do with character. It has to do with character. A, a sermon is far more than what you say. It is actually who you are. Pastor Mitchell has made a statement many times over the years. He says, a sermon is a life. And what that means is that you bring all that you are to the microphone or, or uh, to the pulpit. In, in verse 22... When people hear him, they say he is not like the scribes, not as the scribes. So here's the first part of this. In other words, uh, a mark of, of the scribes, these were a part of the Pharisees or the religious teachers, and uh, one of the marks of that was hypocrisy. In other words, they lived something different than what they said or what they taught, and that, uh, that uh, is important. So... If you, if you are not living what you preach, 
there's two things that, that happen. Number one is, if other people know that, it causes people to not listen to your words. They listen to what you say, then they compare with how you uh, have been living, and then they, they say no. And so then the sermon is completely wasted. And uh, years ago, a um, man I had a lot of uh, dealings with in the church that I was originally sent out of, is, is uh, he, he was famous for borrowing other people's sermons. And my wife, we were visiting, coming in, I can't remember if it was before conference or something, and, and uh, this man preached his sermon. And uh, in, in preaching this sermon, my wife went to see someone in the, in the nursery, and someone asked a, a friend of ours, what, what did he preach? And the lady said these words. She said, uh, it was a great sermon. What a pity it came from him. And the reason why she knew everything he preached, he didn't live it. So therefore, that sermon was wasted. It did no good. People said, nah and completely discounted it. So, you bring what you are. The second thing is, of course, people don't know what we are, right? So, uh, we can be living something different and people be unaware of that. So, hypocrisy causes uh, a, a supernatural overriding of our words. In other words, they don't know how you're living, but... In the spirit realm, there is something that is blocking what you are saying. The, the, uh, uh, the old saying is, we minister what we are. So in other words, when you, when you say something, if you're living it, even if people don't know it, it adds weight. Your words make impact. If you're not living it, then it is that people will not listen to it. Many, many years ago, when I was the concert director... Uh, one day I was at uh, uh, Pastor Mitchell's house and, and a pioneer pastor, uh, I can't really be pioneered anyway, he, uh, a new pastor, he was new and uh, he was calling Pastor Mitchell in frustration and he said, I can't get these people to give. So Pastor Mitchell was asking him the questions, you know, well, are you preaching on money? Yes. Are you taking offerings? Yes. Are you teaching on money? Yes. You know. So Pastor Mitchell was kind of scratching his head and just happened to ask, are, are you personally tithing? And there was silence on the phone and then the man said, uh, no. So he is preaching saying, you people need to give or tithe. No one knew that he wasn't tithing. And yet, in the spirit realm, something was stopped. So here's the first element of a complete sermon is he's not like the scribe, he lives it. His character. Second, has to do with content. The essence of a sermon, then, is having something to say from God. A sermon comes from the Word of God. It, a sermon is not my opinions, it's not my sports team, it's not. Uh, my various thoughts on what I like or things that irritate me today. A sermon is a word from God. Verse 22, the, uh, these people listening to this, the Bible says they were astonished at his doctrine, his teaching. So, what would happen, what, what's happening here is 
in uh, the Jewish synagogue is people who are visiting, they would be invited to read from the scripture and then they would expound on it or they would explain what this scripture means. That actually is what a sermon is. A sermon is you going to the word of God and then showing people this is what this scripture means for your life. It's a message from God. So, in Jesus' life, one of the things you see is that he was in contact with the word of God. You see, his response to temptation is, it is written. It was in there. It comes out. He was filled with the, with the word of God. His impromptu teaching is what this is. Is, is there's a, hey, uh, would you like to speak? And what comes out? The word of God. And then, of course, his planned teaching and his planned preaching all was from the word of God. So, in other words, Jesus was effective. The effective part of ministry is a man who is filled with the word of God. The, one of the greatest factors in, in uh, uh, effective preaching is having a love for the word of God. I, I know you, you name me any, any man who preaches at conference or discipleship classes, if you admire them. I guarantee, I know these men personally, I discuss with them. One of the things, I know them, they love the Word of God. You know, I, I, you know obviously I've known many pastors, and I've known pastors that, that to them, preaching was a chore. That the Word of God was a duty. I guess I'll have to go to the Word of God and get a, 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 a message for whatever the next sermon is. The issue is, whatever you're passionate about is what makes the most impact. Remember a long time ago I told you about to, going to a Mexican restaurant and the waiter, he began to preach from the menu. He was, he was talking about every recipe that comes from Abuela, that she had it, and he started, uh, he started preaching about mole. I don't even like mole. But this guy, he was so passionate about it, at the end of his spiel, he pulled an altar call. How many of you want... I, I ordered mole. It's like, man, if you are that into it, if you're into it, i got to try this, man. And it was good. It was, it was good. Abuela, she apparently knew what she was doing. <laughs> this is true in preaching. If to you the Word of God is a chore, you're probably not going to be very effective. Proverbs 2, 3 through 6. Yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for, for her as hidden treasures, then you will understand the, the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. <coughs> for the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Okay, so this, the words that are here, if you cry out, if you search, this is, this is someone who is... is intent about finding something in the Word of God, then God gives revelation and understanding. Again, in our scripture, when people heard Jesus preach, they said, he's not like the scribes. What the scribes often did was they simply quoted. They would read a passage from Isaiah, and then they would, you know, what does the scripture mean? Well, uh, you know, uh, Hilkiah says, and, uh, you know, this guy, he says, and Himmel says, and they just would quote. In other words, it was... There was, there was no hunger. There was no passion 
It was just something that they did. Jesus gets up, he reads the scripture, and when he's talking about it, they say, man, this guy's into it. He's not like the scribes. So, content. Having something to say from God is, a, is a, one of the great factors of preaching. Third thing has to do with delivery. A sermon is, of course, public speaking. So, how you speak can cause other people to not want to listen to you. In other words, you can have, you can have your character, your you are a tremendous man on the inside. You can have something to say from God, but the way you say it can be irritating to our people don't want to listen to you. How many of you have ever listened to a guy who's an amener? Every other word. So, we're going to read the Word of God. Amen? And the Bible says, Amen? And God is going to, Amen? 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 And it's like, can I slap this guy? <laughs> if you would just get rid of the amens, I could listen to what you're saying. It's like irritating. And uh, in some cases, I remember early days in Prescott, we had a guy that, that he, he amen so many times as we had the, the church wags. And I don't know how spiritual they were. Instead of listening to the sermon, they had an amen meter. They're going, and the more he said it, like, whoa. Or they were counting, and I think they had a guy that they finally quit uh, partway through the sermon. He was the guy who was up to 153 amen. Right? Or, you know, uh, verbal tics. Um, 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 and so God, um, um, uh, 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 uh. The Bible says, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> you, you can't listen to that for long. Years ago, I had a friend of mine. He was pioneering. He said, I don't understand that. I get people saved. They come for a little while, and then they leave. And I'm like, man. That's... And then I heard him give his conference report. God is a moving God in our city. God. And he God is a helping God. Us up. <laughs> I listened for three minutes, and I was like, I would never want to listen to a sermon from him. So this is not a mystery. He could have been a great guy. He could have been having a message straight from the throne. But my point is, he was hurting what he was saying by how uh, he was speaking. So, we, we call these, many of these are verbal tics. The reason why you go, uh, 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 is your brain is trying to catch up. You're trying to think of what to say next. And so you put in things, they're fillers, so to give your uh, brain time to uh, catch up, then you can have uh, irritating inflections, and uh, like I said, that guy adding ah, uh, or, or uh, there's different ways you can do that. Here's the problem. You can't hear your own verbal tics. When you're speaking, you're probably not thinking, wow, I'm saying amen a lot. I'm saying uh, uh, uh a lot. You don't hear it. That's why I recommend every guy that starts out in the concert is, is practice. These days, thank God, you have uh, uh, cell phones that you can record. Listen to yourself. And uh, one of the early guys I trained in South Africa is that I, I told him this, and, and we recorded him uh, just speaking. And he's like, oh, pasta. I did not like that at all. <laughs> because he heard himself say amen 50 times. It was like that, or, or Lord, you know, Lord, and Lord, or my friend, my friend, my friend. Like, 
I know we're friends. Just stop it, okay? <laughs> so you can't hear it, and that's a, a problem. So, on the other hand, there are things you can do to improve. So, the first thing is if you can get rid of irritating verbal tics and inflections that cause people to not want to listen. That'll help you. On the other hand, you can improve if you will do some things. For some guys, it is a matter of pause. They say something good. Joe Campbell, I call him the pause master. Right? He says something good and then he waits. That's a skill. He's not doing it because he can't think of what to say next. He's letting it sink in. I, and, and different people, uh, they react in different ways. When I first started out, uh, I think I did the entire altar call from beginning to end and had them lift their hands and had them come to front in, in about three minutes or two and a half minutes. So it was like, <laughs> I was like an auctioneer. So it would have helped if I would have slowed down. That would have helped. Pausing. Uh, using variety. You ever listen to somebody? And then on the Bible says that you should, and it's a monotone the entire way. That you're not going to be effective. You have to. There's a time to raise your voice. There's a time to go low. You have variety. That's just a, uh, a different way of, of uh, speaking that causes effectiveness. Eye contact is something that's important. Is that when you preach, you cannot just look at one section of. So you cannot just look down. Yeah, and we've seen guys that they're reading their whole sermon, and the Bible says that. So pretty soon people are uh, they're thinking about the World Cup or they're doing other things. Not Pastor Diego; he's no. a spiritual no. man. No. He's not even. He doesn't no. care about the World Cup. <laughs> so eye contact is, and that is that's important. You'll you'll notice that when I preach, I look side to side, I move side to side. I actually don't look anybody in the eye. Because that's, uh, it's depressing. If I, if I looked people in the eye, if, if, I, if I looked at people literally when I was preaching, uh, there are people that the second I start, they're asleep. Uh, that's depressing. There are people that are picking their nose, right? I see people, they're, they're talking, they're playing on their songs. So I don't actually, I actually look slightly over people's heads or even in between. I don't really, but if I don't, if I don't involve all parts of the audience, you'll find sections of people, they tune you out. So, it's just a skill. You learn how to do that, and, and uh, so that may involve motion to some. So, the point is, public speaking is a skill. You can get better. So, if you have good character, something to say, you can work on getting better at, at speaking. So, you might not be someone else. You might not be, you know, Joe Campbell or Richard Ruby, but you can at least be the best version of you. And that comes by uh, speaking. So, two things that will help you in speaking skills. Number one is you need feedback. If you record yourself practicing, that's feedback. Or... Getting somebody else. So we're disciples. We would we would preach. We would get together and we would practice preaching. And uh, so someone would point out some of the irritating things we were doing. We were doing that so that we could get 
better and uh, practicing. I, uh, the steering wheel of my truck when I, I worked a job before I was a pastor got saved a million times. As I was driving, I'm practicing, man. I'm practicing preaching all the time because that's going to be my life. I was working at it. The final thing is you can have instruction. Is There are, uh, there are books. You want to get good at speaking, there are books. These days, you can Google anything. You probably could learn how to build nuclear weapons online. I don't know. But unfortunately, all we need to do is learn how to speak better. And if you want to, if this is going to be your life, you can work at it. You can practice. Final thought in our scripture is, in a complete sermon, there needs to be anointing. Preaching, ultimately, is a supernatural work of God. It has to be more than information. It has to be more than, I took a few notes. I'm going to talk for a few minutes. You take a few notes. Now, something has to transpire. We have people that they are about to make life-changing, terrible decisions. I need God to grab hold on their hearts. There are people that they're aiming their life in a direction that is not God's will. I need God to... That, I had no intention of being a preacher. But God grabbed me in a discipleship class. It was, it was something was happening more than words. Actually, the, the, the message wasn't on becoming a preacher in, uh, in calling, but God spoke. So, <clears throat> what we need <clears throat> is for God to take human words and make them supernaturally effective. We call that anointing. To anoint, you know, in the Old Testament meant that you had oil poured or uh, rubbed on you and the whole point of that was they took an ordinary man. David, you're, you're a sheep herder. Come here. And they poured oil on him. You are going to be a king. Oil, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. The point is, God is going to supply what you lack. A sheep herder is not qualified to be a king. But when the anointing comes, you can. God is going to do more than you can do. So, anointing is seen by the impact that our words make. When someone speaks, if they have anointing, something happens. And that's what we see in our scripture. Verse 22 says, And the people were amazed. They speak about his authority. In other words, week after week they saw a guy, here's what Isaiah says, and that's what it means, and Himmel says it means this, and that guy, okay, yeah, we're done. But Jesus speaks, and the Bible says something happened to them. They were captured by what he said. Luke twenty four thirty two. And they say to one another, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Okay, and I like this. In the New Century Version, verse 32, they said to one another, It felt like a fire burning in us when Jesus talked to us on the road and explained the scripture. That is what needs to happen in preaching. That's the ultimate aim. It's not simply that I filled... 35 minutes of, of time. It's not simply that, uh, uh, you know, I had a few things to say. I want something to happen on the inside, and that's what we call anointing. So, something should happen when we speak if we are anointed. Uh, Mark 1, 27. Then they were amazed so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority he commands even unclean spirits, and they obey him. 
Okay, so of course this was more than a sermon, but my point is this is in this atmosphere is the devil is confronted and cast out. That's that's if something should happen. It wasn't just oh true. So true. I agree. Let's go home. Is the devil's confronted, cast out, lives are changed. That's what should happen. When you're anointed, people should get saved. When you're anointed, people should get delivered. When you're anointed, people should be inspired to do the will of God. When you're anointed, people should have hope that is supernatural. I can go on. I can do the will of God. I, I believe that. That is a complete sermon, character, content, delivery, and anointing. When we have all of those, then it is that lives are changed. Okay, let's open for some questions. Something you want to know. Something you want to ask about this. Over here, Vince. Um, is, is it okay when you're speaking, um, if you're, like, trying to make it sound like you're passionate about it, if you, like, not feeling good? Like, I'm going to... Well, all preaching, uh, you know, when I work with concert preachers, I... Uh, once I know that they understand the concept of an illustration and applying it, then I work with them on delivering. Preaching is by necessity, it is a bold declaration. In other words, I, I, I teach preaching should never be conversational. Right? If I'm talking to you, Vince, how's your day? What'd you do? How much carpet do you sell? I do that conversational, right? I don't go, Vince, how much carpet did you sell today? That would not be appropriate. <laughs> On the other hand, if I'm preaching the word of God that's going to change their life, I don't get out of there. Some of you here, you're probably headed for hell today. You're going to burn forever. You know, Jesus, he can change your life. Right? That would not be appropriate. So, it, it's not, it, it is not, uh, I'm not feeling it. it. It's not so much acting. Is That is the essence of preaching. Uh, it is a, a declaration from the, thus says the king. That's what a sermon actually was. It was a, the herald was the king's messenger. So I'm preaching something life-changing. So yes, we lift our voice. So it's volume, it's intensity, which is different than volume. Let's say any of you that have kids, uh, you know that. You can be intense with your kids without screaming. Especially like in church, right? If you move again, I am. <laughs> so, yes. And if you're not feeling it, that doesn't matter. I mean, I've, I've come, I'm sick as a dog. I'm, uh, I've come to preach, um, my mind is assaulted. It doesn't matter. I'm going to declare the Word of God anyway. That's my job. So if you have the content and you have character to back up what you're saying, do you... Do you believe that anointing will naturally just follow and flow through that? I, I don't believe that anointing naturally flows. Sometimes it does. You, you, you have people that... Uh, I know people that they have an anointing. It is a gift. It's just in there. Most of us have to seek it. Right? That's why it's good. Concert preachers... That's why I love the concert ministry is because it's a little microcosm of of uh, pastoring, right? Pastor, I pulled the altar call and no one got saved. It felt like there was resistance. You need something supernatural to be in there to overcome that. So most of us, anointing is something that has to be sought, right? Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. It didn't happen automatically. They sought it. 
That's, that's most of us. And, and, and it's, as I say, it's seen by, it's not measured by how I feel, it's measured by what happens in people, and as we saw in, in, the, in the scriptures. So, uh, so that means that for most of us, you can seek anointing, and then you recognize that anointing. Remember I preach on virtue? Jesus recognized virtue went out of me, went out of him, so he had to recharge. So, uh, yeah. So unless you have anointing as a absolute gift of God, most of us have to seek it. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it possible that part of uh, um, your character could be exposed during during preaching if there's a demonic manifestation, like kind of like what happened uh, in this particular illustration? Are you talking about in the hearers or the preacher? In the here. It was a lot of men. It's the preacher preaching the man. That's the problem. I'm talking about the here. The here is the I'm thinking there's a problem. Did his head just spin around? He's vomiting up there. Get it down. Get it down. Okay. So if the here is manifest, like if there's a demonic manifestation, in this instance, he was trying to explode. It, it can, yeah. You know, I, I don't. I, I'm thinking through all the all the implications. Uh, I think I think number one, the devil tries to distract. But number two, there is something that in when when you have the spirit of God. Years ago, I didn't tell you a story. This wasn't preaching. Uh, just on the Cortez Street, there was a. Uh, uh, there was a crazy lady just kind of standing there. She wasn't bothering anybody. So uh, here's, you know, dozens of people are walking by. She's ignoring, ignoring, ignoring. The moment I got near, she went crazy. She started manifesting. So it's like, what, what's up here, man? Come on. No, I, that, was the, that was the spirit of God. There's something evil in her that sent something, you know, of the Spirit of God in me, so I think that that could be true. That in uh, in anointed preaching, that there could be things brought to the surface. Okay. Often manifestations are distraction. Okay. The, the devil's just simply trying to distract. He's, he's trying to take over the service. Right? You're hearing the holy things of God, and then you got someone there. They're you know manifesting. So then, like, ooh. So the key is to just shut it down. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a whole lesson dealing with dealing with demons is a whole is a whole lesson. Yeah, so we're not, we're not big on in the middle of the service. Someone manifests, we're not going to stop the service and pray for them, get them out of here, we'll deal with them later. And then of course you'll find people who have a religious background, uh, they like manifestations. Mm-hmm. You ever seen the crusade pastor? You won't let people manifest on the stage. Yeah, right. He won't let because they're. There are people, uh, again, you know, in South Africa, I had a lady, when I first opened, I had revival for uh, straight, almost for a month, in numbers of different guys, and I had a lady that she would come every night, and when the evangelist would pray for her, she'd manifest, and I finally got tired of it, every single night, is either this is not a demon, or you don't want your demon to go, you like it, and so I saw her again another night, and while the pastor... Whoever was the speaker was preaching. I went down and I took her by the elbow and pulled her close. I said, "If you manifest tonight, I'm gonna throw you out of here." 
And amazingly, nothing happens. <laughs> no manifestation. That, that's a that's a kind of a lesson in itself. So yeah, the overall in service, we're not big on. We don't we don't make demons the the focus. Right. When you went out to Pioneer, did you ever question the anointing if you didn't see the results that you were hoping for? Yeah. So that's kind of a natural reaction. Of course, yeah. But but that is a but that's a healthy thing. You know what we say is, um, uh, you know we we there's a saying about desperation is immature desperation. Or as I'm desperate, nothing happens. Immature desperation becomes depression. Right? Uh, it doesn't work for me. Well, I shouldn't be doing this. Mature desperation becomes determination. Right? I am going to have that. That's why you, when I preach on virtue, I saw that in witnessing. When I talked to Kevin and I gave him everything I could and he looked at me blankly and said, I can't relate to a single word you said, I said, that's not going to work. Uh, that's not accept. I have to have something. So what you have is in, in preaching, in the concert, in pioneering, is uh, this is not going to work. I have to have a breakthrough. And, and then, of course, that's personality. My, my wife is the one when they have gold sheets, uh, reports, monthly reports. She's the one. She just checks the information. And sometimes she will come out and she'll say, Greg, this guy's been here for like 12 years. And he's got the exact number of people. How can he stand that? So apparently there, there are people who just like, you know, service after service after service, nothing happening. They can live with it. That's not healthy. You, there has to be something in you that says, what is it? What is it? The word I've taught you? Unacceptable. No, I'm not putting up with that. So you got to lay hold of God. Somebody, somebody else. Is sermon writing, um, writing complete sermons, is that something that even just beginning disciples or, or people that maybe understand the idea of, of being yes. is that something we should be doing? Yeah. Yeah, if you think in any way that you you may preach one day, uh, you ought to practice it. Yeah, absolutely. Delivery as well, or just everything. Okay. Everything. The, the whole point is that if you if you learn to put together sermons, you may not. Uh, not everyone is called to preach. So, but but it is likely that God could use you in, let's say, a Bible study. Essentially. Uh, putting together a Bible study and putting together a sermon, they're basically the same, just you have more scripture in a Bible study. So it's, it's a helpful skill. And that's why I am willing to work with guys and give input and help, because that's a, a it, it helps you, it helps you to think logically, and part of what happens if you learn how to think logically and put together sermons, one of the things is the Bible comes alive to you. It's not just reading, uh, uh, okay, I read X number of chapters. It's like, wow, I see what that means. I see why he said that. So, yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a skill. It's helpful. And speaking, then again, also in speaking in general is a skill that helps you in a lot of things in life. Right? There's a, there's a, a lot of... There's a lot of areas of life that speaking would really help you. 
uh, you know, being a waiter or a waitress. Part of that is a speaking skill. There are waiters and waitresses that irritate the snot out of me. And, uh, and you know, it, it would help their tips if they learn how to talk well. It's a skill. You need it a lot. Presenting bids in business, working with customers. That's, a, that's you know, that's, those are not necessarily, you know, uh, obviously the Word of God is not what you need in that, but but it's a skill you need in life. So, yes, I would practice all kinds of things you should practice in life. People who have, uh, you know, in a, in a practical sense, one of the things is that people who have speaking and communication skills are in high demand in jobs. You have, uh, you know, I quoted a sermon before, is that uh, people who hire, they say, you know, I can teach a person to do the job, I can't teach them communication. That's a skill. Look at people in the eye. My, my daughter, when she started at Penny's or working little jobs, is that you had customers. They loved her because she was raised in church, had pioneered with us. She learned how to communicate with adults. Right? She didn't spend her life in a room playing video games. So on the job, that was they valued that. So that's, a, that's just a speaking skill. Okay, I need you to take this. I need everybody. We've got to uh, move this fence and make a little bit of room.